Well, hello, Spirit Life. It is so good to be back here. Uh, we came in, and I still remember the smiles and the, the, the buzz from last year, and I see you haven't lost that, so praise the Lord. Such a friendly church. Everybody smiles here, you know? I go to some churches, they don't smile a lot. I don't know why, but you smile here, and we say thank you for welcoming us back the third time now with our dear friends, Rob and Donna Baker. We love them so much. And it was funny last night. Let's just take a minute. Can I take a second here? We, they picked us up at the hotel, and then we were out. They took us out to this restaurant, a great restaurant. And we sinned, all of us together last night, with the sin of gluttony. We ate so much. They brought us a dessert, an ice cream thing. I promise you, about this high. And we ate it all. Amen. We had so much fun reminiscing about the Fresno, California days when... When, uh, well, I got some stories on your pastor, too. He's telling stuff on me, but I got some stories. I remember the day he drove in that day with that little yellow AMC Hornet that was loaded so heavily that the, that the uh, 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 what do you call those, those mud flaps were dragging on the cement, you know. And uh, just so many wonderful stories that we have. You got time for one quick story? They asked me to be the night watchman. And so I got the keys to all the buildings in Fresno. And so one night, me and a friend, matter of fact, his roommate, Paul Thompson, we were walking around. It was late that night. I had all the keys. We were walking in and around. They talked about that student center somewhere with a microwave. Somebody mentioned the microwave in the student center. There was this little black cat. I have no idea why I'm telling you this. There was this little black cat that was following me, and I had Paul convinced I didn't like cats. I picked this little black cat up, and I took him into that student center, and we had a microwave. I was a good Christian young man, but I was a little rowdy, I will say. And so I convinced Paul that I was going to, I said, have you ever cooked a cat? And Paul said, no, no, I've never, you're not going to listen to my message after I tell you this story. I said, I've heard that it's really an interesting thing. So we went in there and I opened the, the uh, <laughs> I opened the microwave, the one that we used, and I put the cat inside the microwave. And shut the door, and Paul looked at me with his eyes. His roommate looked at me with his eyes this big. He says, you're going to cook that cat. He, I had him convinced. Of course, I did not do that. I took the little thing out, and I petted him and let him go. But that's, that's the rowdiness that we were putting up with back in the day, you know, in Fresno. And just I can see that really blessed your heart this morning, me telling you that story. I guess if I didn't feel comfortable at Spirit Life, I wouldn't be saying stuff like that. But it is so good to be back with you. And what you've done over the last several years uh, in world missions has been just awesome. We were looking at that together this morning. Over $32,000 has come in in the last three years besides your tithe and offering to help us minister today in 185 nations of the world. Amen? That's you. Now come on and give yourself a hand clap of praise. Over 600 missionaries and 134 orphanages, 116 Bible schools with more than 10,000 orphans and 30,000 students. You have helped us. We just moved into the 185th nation, Bhutan, and we're just thankful because we couldn't do this without you. And you know how Church of God World Missions works. Every dime that you give to World Missions goes to where you say it's going to go. We don't take anything because of our system, the way it works. Your funds go to where you want it to go. And so we say thank you 
Bishop for helping us. Thank you, Donna, for your music and all the heartbeat that you've got for World Missions. Our directors, David Griffiths and Tommy Probst, says, says thank you, Spirit Life, so very much. And with me, before I go on into my message, is the most beautiful woman in all of Tennessee. I brought her back with me this year. She follows me around everywhere I go. Forty years this past April when I gave her that ring. Show them the ring, Deb. Right there it is. Amen. I told you last year that I had three more payments on that. I just got it paid for. Somebody give the Lord a praise for that. Amen. <laughs> oh, If you have your Bibles, the Lord has laid a message upon my heart this morning that is, I think, a simple message, but it is so profound. It's found in Matthew 5. Two little scriptures. Now, if you brought your pen and paper today, I'm going to be throwing out some scriptures at you that I hope that maybe later this afternoon or sometime this week, this challenge that I hope to bring to you, you'll go back and refer to these scriptures that I'm going to throw out today and just let them digest into your spirit. But this morning, Matthew 5, 15, and 16 is a, is a, is a scripture, two, two scriptures, two verses, if I can get this to come up here, that I want to share with you. And when I read these, you're going to say, I've heard these so many times. And when I read this this morning, I know that you will know what God has placed upon my heart to share with Spirit Life family this morning. Let's look at it together. Matthew 5, 15. Neither do men light a candle... And put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for challenging us this morning into becoming a better witness for you. And in becoming someone that is not afraid to testify about your greatness and your goodness to our neighbors, to our family members, to our co-workers, Lord, that we stand up and we will be counted this morning here at Spirit Life and allow our light to shine brightly for you. I thank you for this opportunity to minister, Lord. Let this be something that we can take home with us and put it to use, I pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. So, you see what I'm going to talk about this morning. I got a question for you. Two questions for you. How bright is your light shining? How bright is your light shining this morning? Locally and globally. Let me just ask you this question then. What is the current status of your testimony? Where is it in your life? How often do you testify? How often do you tell your friends and your neighbors and your family members about your Savior, your Lord, the, the guy that died on the cross and hung there for your, for your salvation that you live for, that you sing about? What is the current status of your testimony? You know, from the very beginning, Brother Rob, Jesus has asked those who follow Him and love Him and has accepted Him as, as personal Savior and Lord. We're the ones, disciples of the 21st century, all the way back to the early disciples, we're the ones that He has asked to go out generation after generation and tell other people about Him. He wants us to be His witness, His testifiers, His army, the soldiers and the army of the Lord. He even says to us in John chapter 12, verse 32, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What do you do when you lift somebody up? You talk about him. You brag about him. You, you lift them up. 
I love your pastor. He looks so good today. Man, he's got his little beard thing going on there since I saw him last. Got his pretty little tie on, and he married a beautiful young woman over there, and and he just a good... When you, when you brag on somebody, you lift them up. I'm going to lift up your pastor this morning. Amen. Anybody love your pastor? Amen. And his wife. <laughs> if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I will draw, he says. Not you. I will draw. How many have ever thought about testifying or witnessing to somebody and you said, I'm not going to do it just because I'm sure I don't have the correct words to, to make them feel Jesus. You don't have to do that. It says if you're willing, He will draw. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Now I know him being inclusive when he says all men. He means everybody. He means all men, women, boys and girls, senior adults, little children. Let me put it like this. You are never too old to tell somebody about your Savior. And you're never too young to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Jesus wants us, you, me. We're all commissioned when we found Him as our personal Savior and Lord and accepted Him into our hearts. We were commissioned at that very moment to be Christians and witnesses locally and globally. That's our number one assignment. What is the current status of your testimony? And then I think about Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Has to be the most quoted Great Commission scripture in the entire Bible, which instructs every Christian to go into all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey the things I've commanded. Pretty simple to see. If you read your phone or if you read your scriptures in the Holy Bible, when you start flipping through those scriptures, you will find soon that the heartbeat of God is the Great Commission call upon your life to win others to His kingdom. That's why we exist. Not just to have a nice little fun party every Sunday when we come together and, and do our little functions that we do, but to send the, figure out a way to send the light of the gospel literally not just across the street, but literally around the world. That's our assignment. That's our duty. That's our number one commission. The heartbeat of God is for you to win someone to His kingdom through your witness. Acts 1 and 8. Write this down. <laughs> it gives us clear instruction. It says, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall be my witness. Anybody got the Holy Ghost? It's very light. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, ye shall be my witness. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. Now, I don't know if Acts 1 and 8 says to you what it says to me, but I get the drift that I'm supposed to, if I have Jesus living in my heart, I'm supposed to be His witness here and there and everywhere. Not just everywhere and not just here. We have to have the fullness of the Great Commission alive in our spirits to reach and fulfill what He has called us each to do as Christians. Is this okay this morning? I'll have a light in my eye. You're still out there, right? You know, uh, Acts 1 and 8 has got to answer the question to those that would say, well, don't we have enough people right here in Louisville, Kentucky, or Cleveland, Tennessee to win to Christ? And the answer to that is an absolute yes, resounding we do. But in the fullness of everyone's commission that knows Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, 
We must not only, like I said, reach across the street, but literally we must reach around the world preaching the gospel everywhere or sending the gospel everywhere. Well, Brother Brinson, I got what you're saying here, but uh, I'm not a preacher and, uh, and uh, I can't do what Brother Rob and you are doing and, and, and I'm not about to get on an airplane and go to Honduras or, or Africa or China or Alaska or whatever like that. If that's you, don't raise your hand. Well, then let me refer you, if you're thinking that, to Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15, that asked us two questions. How then will they hear without someone preaching to them? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Oh, I got some good news, and I got the answer to both of those questions for you this morning. When you stand faithful to your personal call of the Great Commission to go, whether it's you going or whether it's you sending someone in your place where you cannot go to spread the extension of your testimony and the light of the gospel in worlds that you'll never be able to see in your life. That's when God has promised He would open up the windows of heaven. When you stand faithful to Him, He is a faithful God to you. Come on and give Him praise if you know who I'm preaching about this morning. Woo! He's promised to open up the windows of heaven and bless us over in Malachi 3.10. He even says, test me in this, says the Lord God. That's a little weird to test God, but I know what he's saying. He will prove his scriptures. His promises are true. Not Terrell Brinson's promises are true. His promises are true. You do this, and he will do this. He will bless you. Beyond comprehension. Well, that's a good thing because... uh, I need a blessing, Brother Brinson. I'll tell you, anybody in this room needs one more than me, I'd like to know who it is. <laughs> Don't y'all raise your hand this morning while I'm up here. I'm, I'm one of them preachers come back there and pray for you. If you're thinking that, let me refer you to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. That says that your personal blessing... Your church's blessing, your family's blessing is measured by the way you bless somebody else. <laughs> oh boy, so my question to you would be, when's the last, if you've been a little dry of a blessing lately, when's the last time you bless somebody else? The other day, about two or three weeks ago, I was, it was lunchtime, and I was hungry. And so I went through the drive through at Hardy's Restaurant, on Keith Street, Cleveland, Tennessee. I ordered that, that little side view mirror thing that, you know, I said, give me, I love health food, give me my cheeseburger and my french fries and my Coca-Cola. Well, I got up to the window and I reached the lady my card to pay for my meal. She says, you can put that back in your pocket. I said, pardon me? She says, yeah. She said, that car right ahead of you just paid for your hamburger. I said, well, who were they? Don't know. They didn't know you. That's the best hamburger I believe I ever ate. And I thought, that is really cool. <clears throat> so I, that stuck with me, Don. I thought to myself, <clears throat> I'm going to try this. So about two weeks after that, I decided to go get me some more health food at Hardy's. And I was driving. I was praying. I said, Lord, whoever pulls up behind me, I'm going I'm to get their meal. Do you know this minivan full of these little ball players pulled up behind me? 
But I bought the meal that day and the Lord has blessed me. Your blessing is measured by the way you bless somebody else. You've been starved for a blessing. Well, get up and do something about it. His promises are true. (laughs) He will meet the need. Oh, Lord, help us to share our witness. You know, I read something the other day about witnessing. And I couldn't believe this was come off the Billy Graham blog. I brought it with me today. Let me, let me show you this. This is talking about USA Christians, U.S.-based Christians. And when I read this, it just startled me. Billy Graham's blog, uh, Franklin Graham's blog. And uh, this is, they did this study across USA churches and found this to be the statistics about testimony and witnessing and sharing, letting your light shine and your, your status of your testimony. This is what they said. <clears throat> 90% of all U.S.-based Christians will never share their faith. Billy Graham, I trust what they're doing. Only 21% will ever invite anyone to their church. Well, that means that 79% are doing it. Thank God for that. But 21% of us won't even invite anybody into our church. This one killed me. 95% of U.S.-based Christians has never led anyone to Christ. I don't get it. Where are we today? Let me just ask you this question, and I know your toes are now starting to go under the pew, but let me just ask you this. When was the last time, you don't have to raise your hand, when was the last time you personally shared your faith with somebody outside this little church family we've got going on here? Do you remember? When was the last time you personally shared your faith? Maybe you're a co-worker. Maybe you're out there trimming your hedges and your neighbor come out and said, let me tell you why I'm whistling Dixie today. I'm taking Jesus pills, you know, or whatever. When's the last time you shared your faith? I asked this, I asked this, can I, can I come down here? I asked this story, I asked the same question not long ago to a, to a church, and this little lady about, the, about where you're sitting, she says, last Thursday, <laughs> And I said, well, praise the Lord, there's still some of us doing this, you know. When's the last time you shared your faith, you, 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 your faith and gave your testimony? It's so much easier in the United States than it is anywhere else that I've been. 23 years now with World Missions, we started in September. It has changed my life. And in those 23 years, just for my fun of it, I've kept track of the places they've sent me. 77 nations of the world documenting the ministries of our great family of God called the Church of God. Seven million members strong now worldwide. That's our family. That's me and you. And it's been amazing to see the difficulties some of our missionaries, some of our people that we have sent, you and me have sent to the field, some of the dangers that go around along with sharing their faith, sharing their testimony. It's easy for us. Now, sure, we got some junk going on in our own country right now that makes us look like the heretics. There's some of them wish we, you know, there's people that are trying to take the, the in God we trust out of the Pledge of Allegiance and all this stuff. You know what I'm talking about. And it's difficult, yes, in the United States, but it's nothing. We still have the freedom of religion that we can share our faith. And we can be counted as and numbered as someone that makes a difference in this nation. But there's places that we go and send our people that you help us send that it's, they could lose their life. In Malaysia alone, you cannot as a Christian proselyte any other Muslim or 
or, or, or whatever the faith they may would have in that region of, of Malaysia, you, they would arrest you. China's the same way. Our missionaries in China have to go underground to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to share their testimonies. Just a few years ago, thank you, Lord. Do you remember on the news when they were having these riots in northern India where the Hindus were persecuting the Christians up in the north? It was all over Fox and CNN and all of those news stations. And the Hindus were, they had said that one of the Christian leaders had come in and killed one of the Hindu priests. Ridiculous, bogus, craziness. And so they were then burning our churches and burning our parsonages. We had people killed. Thank the Lord the church of God was exempt from the killing. But there was other Pentecostals. There were other Christian organizations that they launched a complete attack on. And it was a very dangerous place to be sharing God or Jesus with anybody in northern India. One of our missionaries, short-term missionaries, an evangelist came to us in Cleveland during this time. And he was from Alabama. And he came to our director and he says, You know, I've been watching this on the news. He says, I don't know what it is, but God has spoke to me that I must go to northern India and do a crusade for Christ. Right? i got to go. And I want World Missions pat on the back and an endorsement to be able to go over there and talk and tell those people about Jesus. And our director told him, have you not been watching the news? It's very, very dangerous over there right now. And we can't endorse this. We think you should wait. And that young missionary looked at our director and says, Hey, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the Lord. With your endorsement or without it, I'm going to North India and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. He got on an airplane, got him a team together, and went over to Northern India right in the middle of this stuff. <clears throat> and that day, they built a stage and they did it outside because there's no place that will rent us a place and they can't fit them all in there. When they hear a Christian missionary is coming from the United States to tell them about Jesus, there's so many people that will show up, they have to lay pallets out on the ground and they sit on those pallets. I preached in Kerala State several times in southern India and it's just a sea of faces. They'll come to this. So they built them an outdoor stage. They got them somehow some lights because they do it at night usually. And then they had the PA system all ready to go. And he said when he got there, almost two hours before church was beginning, he said that place was jammed. That whole field was jammed with people to come to hear about Jesus Christ. More than 10,000, he said, was there when he came home to give us this report. It was amazing. He says he preached like he's at the General Assembly that night. And he says when he gave the altar call, more than 3,000 Hindus came and gave their heart. They shared his light. They shared his story. 3,000 new converts that night. When you stand faithful to God, he'll be faithful to you. Amen. That night after the first service was over, they left one of our men on stage to protect everything that night. He slept out with a camping bag on stage to protect the stuff. They all went home. That night, in the middle of the night, there were several Hindu people. They were proclaimed to be Hindus. They came up. They beat this fellow to nearly a pulp. They put him in the hospital. They burnt the stage. They stole the PA system and sent word to our missionary, Church of God missionary, that if, you, if that fellow from the United States shows up again tomorrow night, he will never leave India alive. And the policeman went and told him at the hotel. He says, and we can't do anything to protect you. You're on your own. Don't show up tomorrow night. Go home. This is not a good time to be preaching about Jesus. 
I don't think there is not a, ever a bad time to preach about Jesus. But I've been there several times and I, by myself. And I thought to myself, what would I have done if a police from Kerala States or somewhere like that, in a place that I don't know anybody, would knock on my motel room at 2 o'clock in the morning and say, you better get out of here. You're not going to live if you show up tomorrow night. They're saying they're going to kill you and we can't help you. My wife's in Cleveland, Tennessee. My grandbabies are down there. I about would just want to be on the first airplane out of that place. What would you want to do? It's tough to share your testimony sometimes. Well, Brother McDaniel, he looked at that policeman. He says, Brother, I'm here on assignment from my, from my Savior. I've got to be there tomorrow night. So be it if this is my last sermon. What? I'm getting chills thinking about this. What stamina do some Christians have and others just come and warm up the pretty little chair. Oh, y'all not going to invite me back preaching like this. So the next day, he got up. He got his team together. They visited the guy in the hospital, and they built another stage. They found another PA system. They said three or four hours before church started that night, he said he could only see, like I said earlier, a sea of, of faces come he says he told us in the boardroom when when he came home and gave us the report he says i didn't know if they'd come to hear about jesus or come to see the white guy from tennessee or alabama get killed he didn't know but they were there in multitudes he says they got up the first three thousand that had given their hearts the lord the night before was the first ones up around the altars and praising god and singing when they were singing like y'all were today they were hooting and hollering for jesus their light was shining. The second day of being a Christian, man, and these people were excited. And he said there was a, a buzz in the air there that day. And then he said, it come my time. He, he told us, he says, when I came to that pulpit, my heart, I could feel it beating in my throat. I was so afraid. So, so afraid that I would be killed that night. He said, but I had to do it. The Lord is my protector. Turn it all over to him. He says, I came in this night. He says, I stood behind the pulpit and I told them. He says, when I came to the pulpit, you could have heard a pin drop. The praise was over. They wanted to hear what this man had to say. And he came and this is what he told us that he said that night behind that pulpit. He says, I know that some of you don't want me here tonight to proclaim the good news about this, my Savior that can be your Savior. And I've been threatened that if I show up here tonight that I will be killed. But I must tell you, I am here because my Savior has sent me to tell you that He is the only way, the truth, and the life. And His name is Jesus. And when He said Jesus, the place erupted and just praised. I said His name is Jesus. And He said it three times. His name is Jesus. And He said the place went crazy for a while just worshiping. And, and again, those 3,000 had their hands lifted walking across the front. And when the praise then began to die down, he says it got quiet again, and way over on the left-hand side of the field looking out was something crazy going on over there. He said he looked over and there was a dark-skinned Indian man with long white hair and a long white, uh, an elderly guy with a long white flowing robe, and the guy was what we call in Tennessee having a conniption. He was messed up over there hollering and screaming and the guys were around him and, and, and they just had to stop and wait for this. Well, finally they began to bring the man up to the front where our missionary was. 
And he said to him, I must say something to this crowd. Well, he's a little reluctant. You don't give your mic away in places like that all, all the time. But his place is filled with Hindus. People that had given their heart to the Lord the night before. And here's this man with a long flowing robe. Elderly guy. And he wants to say something. He says, I must say something to this crowd. So Brother McDaniel got with him. And in the microphone, this is what the man said. He said, I am the Hindu priest that came here tonight with my men. They're in the congregation now to shoot you, to kill you. And then he said, I have been blind since I was two years old. This was an old guy. He says, I've been blind since I was two years old. He says, but a moment ago, when you said that name, Jesus... He said, something popped in my head. And now I can see. I can see. I can see. I'm telling you, that's the God that we serve. That's the light that we have to let shine. We as Christians, we must shout it from the mountaintops. Proclaim it in the city streets. Tell it everywhere you go and tell everybody you meet that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And no one will ever come to the Father but through the precious blood of Jesus. Come on and give him a hand clap if you know him as your Savior. Hallelujah. We got to let our light shine. We got to lift him up and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> People may not understand Jesus. People may not know Jesus. People might in some parts of the world never even heard the name Jesus like you and I know it. But if you'll say yes, and if you'll go, or if you'll send someone in your place to go and just speak the truth, that's when people from all over this world will come to the knowledge and the fullness of serving the only God, the only Savior, the only Redeemer, the only Provider, the only Protector, the only Healer. Somebody give me a witness on that. And the name is Jesus. The name is Jesus. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's not a million gods that the Hindus serve. The name is Jesus. Only Jesus. <laughs> Oh, God, let our light shine. Let us tell a lost and dying world in these last days that you are their only hope. You're the only one that can bring light into the darkness. And you have the secret in your heart. Don't let it be a secret. Share your love for your Savior locally and globally. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about the name of Jesus. Heard it said like this one time. He's the only one that can turn a mess into a message. He's the only one that can turn a trial into a triumph. He's the only one that can turn a victim, you got it, into a victory. Did I say this last year when I was here? And he's the only one that can turn a test <laughs> they got my sermon, Pastor. <laughs> you got it. They say you got to repeat something seven times before you get it. And I think I've said it more than seven tonight. He wants you to be his witness. So again, I ask you, how bright your light shining? What's the current status of your testimony? Locally and globally. I mean, we've got to be global Christians with global vision. Because we serve a global God. He don't just live here in Louisville. <clears throat> What's the current status of your 
testimony. Heard it said like this one time, that the Great Commission is not an option just to be considered, but it's a commandment to be obeyed. It's our keeping the main thing the main thing in the church, in the Sunday school class, in the choir, in the youth department, in the bake sale, in the, in the classic car show. Keeping Jesus the main thing, winning others to Jesus Christ. That's our assignment. It's the heartbeat of God. Heard this, that the supreme task of every Christian is to win one person, at least one person, to the kingdom by sharing your faith. I heard this said too, and I'm quitting. I, I don't know. He said I could go to about 2 o'clock and y'all was leaving at 12. <laughs> heard this one time that unless the great commission becomes the great go mission, we commit the great. But when you stand up and say, you know what, Brother Terrell, I'm going to be counted. You can count on me. He can count on me. She can count on me to stand up in the, in the highways and the byways where I travel. I will not be ashamed of my Savior, my Lord. And the program's this big five thing. Oh, I love the concept of that. Where we have outreach beyond our own little four walls, beyond our own little city limits. Guess what? You're covering Acts 1 and 8 when you do that. Your testimony is going to places you may, may never get to go, but you're supplying the need to be sent missionaries that will do it for you as an extension of your testimony. When we have services like this, this is your opportunity to, to, to let your testimony go global. That's why we do this, right? So this morning I say to you, Spirit Life, let your light shine and let your testimony go global. Amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap for, for this message this morning that He's laid upon my heart. You might say, well, Brother Brinson, how, do we, how are we going to do this? I tried my best last year when I was here. First of all, let me back up. My dad, when I was in high school, uh, in high school before my first year at Lee, was the, was the overseer of the state of Alaska. So I graduated high school in Anchorage, in Anchorage, Alaska. And while I was there for five years, we went when I was about 13, and uh, I saw so much ministry deeds while I was there among the Alaskan Native Americans. And I've been the missions rep for Alaska for the last 10 years now. And I take a group of people, which are usually pastors and wives, to Anchorage and to the Anchorage area the first week of every May so that we can let them get involved in the 23 churches that we have in Alaska, that every church we have have Alaskan Native American influence. And they preach in these churches. They see it for themselves. This is not a vacation at all. We work from the time we get there to the time we get back. And we don't go up there on no cruise ship. We fly in an airplane, get out, get in a church bus, and then we start ministering to Alaska Native Americans from Saturday through Thursday. And I tried to get them to go with me and Debbie last year, and he said because of some things happening here at the church, other, uh, other areas that he was responsible for, they weren't able to go. But they want to go with us this coming May and you say, well, what will you do? And this is going to become a part of the big six or the big five. <laughs> Might be big six when we're done here today. This is the reason we chose Alaska as world missions as one of our priorities. There's many different Alaskan Native Americans. You have the Eskimo up north, which they call themselves Yupik. Then you have the Aleut. You have the Klinkit. 
down in the south, Ketchikan, Terrace, British Columbia. You've got the Aleut, the Clinket. The, uh, there's, there's a hundred different nationality Native American groups in Alaska. A hundred. And all 23 of our churches up there have Native American influence. Do you know that there's only two credentialed Native American, Alaska Native Americans that serve the church of God? Only two. Glenn Anisket, I know we know Glenn, and Tim Cowdell. Why don't we have more? Because of the poverty. Because of the need. And honestly, they have no money to be able to be trained. So we begin in 2011 the ministry as an outreach from Church of God World Missions to the Alaska Native Americans. I wanted to raise $100,000 from the lower 48, what they call it. And I didn't want to raise it up there. They have their struggles, their own self, to keep the churches alive. And I wanted to bring that to them to do four things. The first thing is we wanted to train the cream of the crop, Alaska Native Americans in that area, and support training and send them to school or, or bring the teachers to them so they would know how the practical guidelines of church planting and ministering to the needs of their, their own people. If we could just train them, they can reach their own people better than we can. You know, as Western missionaries or Americans or whatever. They're Americans too, but you get what I'm talking about. So we wanted to train the hand-picked from those 23 churches to be credentialed and trained in the Word of God, the infallible Word of God, and to, and to reach their own people. We're doing that. $100,000 was my goal. The second thing is we wanted to minister to the teenage suicide rate. 72% higher than any other nation on the planet Earth, any other country, is the Alaska Native American suicide rate. 72% higher. Teenagers, kids. Last year, in May, Debbie and I flew to Barrow, Alaska. I preached it with David Matthews and Tina. Beautiful church full of Yupik and all, several other Native Americans from there. there were, we were about the only Caucasians, Anglos, that were there. When we flew in, it was in May. And you couldn't see anything white everywhere. Snow, icicles, freezing to death. It's 90 degrees in Tennessee in May. We went up there and icicles were hanging off the, the buildings. And we like literally to froze to death. But I met some of the most wonderful people in Barrow, Alaska. And then they told me while I was there that 68 days of every year, it's total dark. The sun don't come up because of the angle of where they are with the earth's rotation around the sun during that time of the year. You know how it gets darker quicker in the fall and the winter and it gets real light during the day. And in the, in the, in the summer, it never gets dark. But that's home. the summer up there is like three weeks, you know. The rest of it is winter. And so you think about it, alcoholism, drug addiction, teenage suicide goes hand in hand. I don't want to live like this. I can't get out of here. I have no money. And our church of God is reaching so many right now. They're, it's amazing what David Matthews and the Barrow Church of God uh, is doing right now because a lot of the money that we raised has gone to be implemented in ministry to let their light shine in the Barrow community and Kotzebue. All of this is above the Arctic Circle. Drug addiction. Battered women. They have nothing else to do so they find some alcohol. They get so stone drunk. They beat their women. 
It's ridiculous. So four things that this money is doing. Training national workers, the indigenous to reach their own kind. It's been a big deal. To prevent teenage suicide. And those that are attached to our churches, we're ministering to them first. Drug, alcoholism, battered women. These are the things. Do you know since 2011, we didn't just meet our goal of $100,000. We've got almost $300,000 that's come in so far. And our churches are ministering to these people. And they're coming to Christ. We're, we're ordaining more men and women uh, that wants to become involved in ministry. And they're reaching and we're making a difference. So this morning, I, I just got to tell you that we've been talking about this for months. Your pastor and I, my buddy, we wanted to bring this today to you to say, would you adopt this as one of your missions projects here to Spirit Life Church over the next 12 months? And then we'll review it. We'll put a goal on it. It's going to be the, one of the main thrusts of the top five. And then I've asked them, and David Griffiths, I've told him what I'm going to do. We want your pastor to be one of our leaders in the matrix. We want him to go up with us to see this firsthand so he can bring back some videos for y'all. He can bring back some personal first-hand stories. He can minister in those churches among the Alaska Native Americans, some of those teenagers, that it wouldn't be for his light through you shining. Because you can't go, he can go for you. And your light will shine through him if we will get behind this. And many young people will come to Christ and it will change their life. You wouldn't believe some of those kids at youth camp that used to be in that situation today are singing in choirs like this, or playing the drums, and playing the bass guitar, playing the piano. And some of them are even called to preach. They were living in Barrow. They were living. The last camp meeting I went up there, they, they, a bunch of them came down from Barrow during the camp meeting, and downstairs after church, they was eating muck tuck. You know what that is? A good thing you don't want to know. It's whale blubber. That was their Hardy's hamburger because it keeps them warm. Keeps them warm, they say. And they down there, they had the plate all out there, Brother Rob, and they had the, some sort of a little sauce and they dipped one of them in about a piece about this big and they dipped it in and it shoved it right up to my face and I said and they wouldn't have it no other way so you know what I did I ate muck tuck <laughs> they're serving the Lord now because we started this in 2011 here's what I want to do where's the guys with the faith promise cards you know what I'm going to do now pass them out as quick as you can sorry I should have already had you do that Get everybody get a pencil get a paper this is not a pledge it's not a bill It's going to be a faith promise that you make between you and the Lord as an extension of your light shining in Alaska for the next 12 months. This is what, with the help of the Lord, you'd like to do. You can't do it all today, but over the next 12 months, I'd like to fulfill this faith promise. And I'll show you how we can do that in just a second. And what I'd like to do this morning is use 100% of this faith promise there's a place there for your credit card information. We've never lost a, a person. We've never lost. We've never had any troubles. This will all go back to Cleveland. And within just a matter of minutes, your money will be in Alaska serving the Alaska Native American ministries. So there's a place there for credit card. That's sometimes the best way to do this because most folks don't carry cash these days. Let me explain how that goes. And what I'd like to do this morning, I ask him if it'd be all right. The faith promises credit cards, everything you're going to do like that, we want it 100% to go to the ministry of the Alaska Native Americans. I want him and Donna to go with me. 
The trip's going to cost just under $3,000. I'd like for the cash offering, with your permission today, because when he gets there, he's going to be put to work. There's a no vacation. He's going to preach. He's going to win people to the Lord. He's going to be in the altars praying on your behalf. We're going to present on Wednesday night, camp meeting night, uh, the, at the mission service. He'll be presenting that night. It ain't no vacation. Brother Griffiths, Brother Propes, our directors at World Missions knew I was coming, and they want your pastor to be one of our representatives for this next trip in May of 2019. So I'd like to present today the fact that whatever you want to give in cash or write a check, make it payable to the Spirit Life Ministry, the cash and the checks you'll give is going to go toward that $3,000 it's going to take to get them up there with a motel, the airplane ticket. That's for both of them. I want them both to go. As a matter of fact, Debbie and I talked about this. Y'all have been so good to us. Invited me in three years in a row now. I want to be the first to invest in your pastor to send the light through you to Alaska. Debbie and I have talked it over. We want to be the first people to give $500 to them to go. Y'all been so good to us. So I need $2,500 in cash or checks this morning if possible or over the next few weeks to help us get that ready for them to be your beacon of light. And the rest of the money that you put down is faith promise. And this is how we do that. I, every church that I go to, whatever project it is, when they this, again, this is not a bill. It's not a, a pledge. It's a faith promise. If the Lord pl- supplies it through you, you'll give it. If he doesn't, you can't. No one will ever call you about this, ever. I've been here three times. Have I ever called you on the last ones? And you've paid those. No one will ever call you about this between you and the Lord. And we've been asking members of the church who would consider making a $300 annual investment in this ministry. You say, well, how come you pick 300 Because if you divide 52 weeks in a year into $300, it's $5.72 or $0.06 cents a week. Where do you pay it? Every time they pass the plate, just put Alaska Missions. And 100% of what you give every week, that 5 bucks at the end of the 52, you've given $300 over the course of the year. That's your faith promise. Now, we need much more than three. Some of you will laugh at me and say, Brother Brent, the Lord's blessed me a whole lot more than $300 for a year. I mean, we're talking the Great Commission here. We're talking my light shining somewhere around the world. A lot of people will do $100 a month and give us $1,200 for this project. We were adding up our goal amounts last night. We need several that would consider doing that this year. As the Lord supplies it to you, you if you miss next week, put double in the next week. And over the course of 12 months, you're going to have this made. And 100%, we don't take anything from the top. Never have. I don't get any of this. He doesn't get any of this. It will all go to advance ministry among the Alaska Native Americans. Bishop, I want you to come up with me just for a minute. I mean, you're the shepherd of this church. You're the, uh, you're the shepherd of this flock, the pastor of this church. And the Lord speaks to you, or I wouldn't be here to promote this. You, you wanted to do this for the last few years, and it's just not worked out until now. What do you say to your people this morning? How do you encourage them to know that this is coming from your heart, that the Lord has spoken to you, that you promised to be their light shining in a dark place that needs... They need their testimonies. Man, if y'all could go with us and testify to these people, we could change that part of the world for the Lord. What would you say to your people this morning? Let's, let's figure out what we want to do here. First thing I'll say is I don't, I don't want to stand before the Lord one day 
and have him ask me, why didn't you do this? When I opened the door, why didn't you walk through it? I want to be faithful to him. I'm telling you, I don't want to leave anything on the table. When my time is up, I want to be able to say, Lord, I did everything that I could do to support your ministry in the earth. So that's the first thing. I don't want to just attend a church where I can be consumeristically pleased and make me feel good. I want to be involved in what God is doing. And I believe we can do this. I was looking back through the records, and and actually the records go all the way back to 2010 when this church was established. We won't get into all of that. But for the first two years, we were dealing with some things internally that had to keep the majority of the money right here. And one year we gave practically nothing to World Missions. And then the next year a little bit more, but still practically nothing. But after about two years in, we started to see an increase in giving uh, to World Missions projects until now the Lord is opening wonderful opportunities for us. Here's what I believe. I believe that over the course of the next year, I believe that we can raise $10,000 for this project. And I know that for some of you, you think $10,000, my goodness, that is just a crazy amount of money. Listen, I live in the same world you live in. I have bills that I have to pay. I have to put groceries on my table. I have to do all those things. But I have learned that when you put God first in your giving, God takes care of all the rest. I believe that. And we live that way. In fact, Donna and I made a commitment last year. We sold our house in Tennessee. And we were so grateful to the Lord to allow us to move on from that. And we made a decision then that we're going to give more to the kingdom of God at this point in our life than we have ever given before and we're doing that we're looking for opportunities now as he's already said this can be an incremental thing if you could give a dollar a day that that would you know I I drive through McDonald's pretty frequently and get a half cut tea it's a it's a dollar I could fast that tea and I could I could make a difference in Alaska I don't know how you want to figure it I told you the other day when uh, Ken Coomer was here Uh, we sat down and listed all the bills that we had, all the little nitpicky things, and came on something called a Hulu. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hulu. Uh, Some of you don't have a clue what Hulu is. And we were paying like seven or eight bucks a month to Hulu. I said, do you ever watch Hulu? Nope. Do the girls ever watch Hulu? Nope. Do you ever watch Hulu? Nope. I never watch Hulu. Why are we sending them seven, eight bucks every month? so that we can have Hulu. We, we cut them off. And we took that money and we invested it in ministry. So I know, I, I live in the same world you do, and I know that there are responsibilities, but we can do this thing. I close with this story, and then I'll let him walk you through this process. He is a living example of how you can overcome the impossible. One semester when he was at West Coast with me, uh, he's already told you he was night watchman, had keys to every building. And one night, he and my roommate, Paul Thompson, they let themselves into the chapel at 2 o'clock in the morning. And they were playing music in the chapel. He was playing the trumpet. Paul was playing the the, the piano. And they were just having a good time. Well, they got caught. 
And uh, somebody turned them in. And so the dean of students called Terrell into the office. Now, what you need to know is, is that every semester, every student was allotted 100 demerits before we got sent home, before we got thrown out. 100 demerits. So the dean of students called him into the office and he said, I got a report that you and Paul Thompson were in the chapel playing music at 2 o'clock in the morning. Is that true? Terrell said, yes, sir. And he said, you have 99 demerits. And Terrell looked at him and he said, 99, how many do I get? And he said, you get 100. And Terrell looked at him and he said, that means I've got one to go. That's what I like about this guy. You can have your back up against the wall, but you can have a positive attitude and say, no matter how bad the situation looks, I can do it. That's a funny story just to tell you that sometimes things look a lot bigger and a lot worse than they actually are. And when we commit ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to what I feel that you're calling my church to do. If you'll get involved, he will make a way for you to do it. So I want you, you know, this is not about me. It's not about me going. God's called me, and if I can go and help and, and, and train leaders and train young people, I'm, I'm thrilled to do that. I'm, I'm thankful for every opportunity that the Lord has given me through the years. But this is really not about me going as much as it is about us helping in this environment where I believe we're going to be able to make a difference. So prayerfully consider it today. And uh, if, you're, if you're filling out your cards, he'll tell you what to do with that. But I believe we can do this, don't you? I believe we can make a difference. I want us to, reach 10, I want us to raise $10,000 for this project over the next year. I believe it's doable. And with the Lord's help, we'll do it. Amen? With your help, we'll do it. Thanks, Pastor. Take your faith promise. Let me show you how to fill it out. And we'll be done. Put your name and your contact information on the top there. Uh, and I told you no one will ever call you about this, but the reason we need that is because come April, you will receive from the church a tax credit for your gift toward missions. That's the only reason we even need your name on there. The church will send that to you. Over in the top right-hand corner, there's a place for my, my, my participation today, cash or checks. That's the amount that we want to help your pastor and Donna go with us and be one of our uh, leaders there on the May trip of next year. Cash or checks will go toward that up to three, up to $2,500. And then if it goes beyond that today, we'll put it toward the $10,000. Is that okay? We, so we all understand that. Not a penny more. He just doesn't get everything. We're only going to pay his, his way up there and back, and you can get him back when he comes home. Amen. <laughs> so whatever that is today, come on and help us. We can knock this out today if you could just write a, a check for, for that. Um, the bottom it says uh, you see that where it says monthly